Hello and welcome to Corbett's Comments. I'm Dr. Otis Corbett and I invite you to come along with me as I share biblical exposition and commentary. I truly believe that God's Word is one of our greatest helps as we live for Him in the world today. And so like the psalmist, let us agree to hide His Word in our hearts that we may not sin against Him. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett, and today I'd like to share a word about healthy leadership as I comment on scriptures from 2 Corinthians 12 and 2 Corinthians chapter 13. We're in the midst of a series on the characteristics of a healthy church as taught by the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention on the mission field. I think that this is really good material. It's great material, in fact. And it should be considered by the churches in North America also as we try to rebuild our ministries after a year of COVID-19. Now, while there are many different leaders in our churches, the primary leader is the pastor. Now, we're going to focus on the role of pastors and how they shepherd the sheep of God's pasture as we talk about healthy leadership today. Now, being a pastor is not easy, and every pastor has stories that they tell about events that occurred when, if they didn't laugh, they would cry. And many of these seem to stem from baptisms. In one case, a pastor was baptizing a large man in a small baptistry. He banged the man's head against the side of the baptistry, and this man, who was a new convert from a rough background, came up out of the water cursing like a drunken sailor. Another pastor was baptizing a young girl who decided to do a cannonball dive into the baptistry, and the choir got baptized that day also. Yeah. And finally, a, a pastor and a revival speaker did a joint baptismal service one uh, night together during a revival series. After that baptism, the pastor rushed back to change clothes for the rest of the service. After he got back into the sanctuary, the pastor noticed his feet were hurting. He didn't realize why until the revival speaker almost tripped and fell on the way to the pulpit to preach. The pastor had put on the evangelist's shoes, which are one and a half size smaller than his own, and vice versa. As we consider the topic of healthy leadership, we must remind ourselves of the calling that God has given our pastors. It is a huge task and a daunting calling and one that pastors can only do with the empowering of God's Spirit and with the cooperation of those who are the sheep of this fold. 2 Corinthians 12 and 13 give us great insight into healthy leadership for our pastors and churches. First, a pastor's call is apparent. It's apparent. 2 Corinthians 12 11 through 13 says this, I have been a fool. You forced me to do it, for I ought to have been commended by you, for I was not at all inferior to those super apostles, even though I am nothing. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience and with signs and wonders and mighty works. For when what were you less favored than the rest of the churches, except that I myself did not burden you? Forgive me this wrong. To understand the text for today, we must first know that Paul was embroiled in a controversy. 
Some people were saying that he was not a true apostle, and some people preferred other preachers over him, like Peter or Apollos, as we would see if we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Yet Paul could not, would not, deny his call from God. He was like Jeremiah who exclaimed, If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with, weary with holding it in, and I cannot. That's from Jeremiah 20 verses 7 and 9 through 9. Paul believed that the truth was obvious and that his actions bore witness to his call. He apparently believed in what we call today the duck test. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, we can be pretty sure it's a duck. And he knew that he was called by God and that his opponents should also know that he was called by God. You know, Jesus also confronted this very issue in John chapter 10, verses 24 through 30, when he told his critics this, Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Now these passages have established some vital truths about the call of a pastor. First, God's call is felt in the hearts of those whom He has called. Second, when that happens, it is borne out in the daily life of the one that is called. Next, the church sees this and affirms God's call on that person's life. And finally, each of these must be in place for a call to ministry to be valid. And finally, once a call has been established, the people must cooperate. Every preacher has a honeymoon with his church. It is what happens after that time that shows the reality of his leadership and their followership. Next, a pastor's call is to edify. A pastor's call is to edify. 2 Corinthians 12, 14-19 says, Here for the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours but you. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? But granting that I myself did not burden you, I was crafty, you say, and got the better part of you by deceit. Did I take advantage of you through any of those whom I've sent to you? I urged Titus to go and send the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not act, take the same steps? Have you been thinking all along that we have been def uh, defending ourselves to you? It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ, and all for your upbuilding, beloved. Now. Paul clearly reminds us here that a 
pastor is not a burden to the flock. In fact, a flock needs a shepherd. And Jesus taught that if you get rid of the shepherd, the flock gets scattered. Practically and from experience, we know that churches without our pastor fall apart. So the flock needs to support their pastor. Jesus said that a laborer is worth his hire, and Paul told Timothy that a teaching elder is worth double honor. So a pastor is not a burden on the flock. The bottom line is that a good pastor is a tremendous blessing to the church. However, Paul also clearly states in turn that a pastor is not to be a burden to the flock. A bad pastor is as much a curse as a good one is a blessing. And the scriptures are full of warning about how bad leaders can harm God's people. For example, Matthew 23 verses 13 through 15, Jesus proclaimed this, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Those who deceive and destroy churches have a fearful fate, as Jesus went on to teach in Matthew 18, verses 6 and 7. But whoever causes one of these little ones to, who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to the man by whom the offense comes. Now this is why Paul says that we should not seek to be teachers, for the responsibility is heavy. A pastor's call is to build up the flock. Jesus came for us to have eternal life and abundant life, and the way to have both is to be a disciple. So the mission of the church then is to make disciples, and the pastor is the primary disciple maker in the church. As Paul taught in Ephesians 4, the gifts of the pastor are for the edifying of the church until we're all perfected in discipleship. We also see that a pastor's call is to love the church. A pastor's call is to love the church. 2 Corinthians 12, 20 and 21 says, For I fear that perhaps when I come I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousies, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you, and I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. You know, working with people is not easy. People are often proud and stiff-necked, and they're often hard to get along with, and sometimes they can make those who work with them just miserable. When we were missionaries, we heard a joke that went like this. Missionary service would be great if not for the local believers and the other missionaries. The world is not what it was intended to be. And sadly, this is best demonstrated by the daily walk of most people. Yet even so, God still loves us. God's two major concerns are His name and His creation. He should have given up on us long ago, but He hasn't. God has a faithful love that will do whatever it takes to save us, 
And He did this perfectly through Jesus, our Savior and Lord. As Romans 8, 6-9 says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely will a For a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Like God, a pastor loves the church. And like the Good Shepherd... A pastor lays down his life for the sheep. Pastors sacrifice their time, their own interests, their families, and much else for the church. When people call, he goes. When they have needs, he prays. This is a tremendous responsibility. Consider what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11, 23-29. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak, and who is made to fall and I am not indignant. Paul loved the church at Corinth, and he wanted to do what was best for them. And this is exactly what a pastor should do for his own flock as well. Finally, a pastor's call is to be a prophet. A pastor's call is to be a prophet. 2 Corinthians 13, 1-5 says, This is the third time I am coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warned those who sinned before and all the others, and I warn them now while absent, as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them. Since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me, He is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, but but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? A pastor plays many roles encourager and supporter, trusted confidant, missionary leader, teacher, trainer, and equipper. But one of the most important roles is that of prophet. A prophet foretells God's Word, and in doing so, he confronts sin and unbelief, and he stands up for truth and righteousness. He sometimes steps on people's toes and 
This does not make him popular. The prophet Jeremiah faced great opposition and only kept preaching because of the fire in his bones. And Elijah was called by King Ahab, you troubler of Israel. Of all the tasks that a pastor has, being a prophet is not the best. But prophecy, however, is a medicine for sick congregations. And if a pastor loves his church, he will do what is right for it. When sin is in a church, the right thing is to confront it with God's Word. Pastors must recognize that prophecy is strong medicine, and it is best used sparingly. When it is left on the shelf, the patient can die, and when it is given in too great a dose, the side effects can seem worse than the illness, even if that is not true. When used properly, however, at the right time, it can give renewed life. A pastor needs to be a prophet. In conclusion, on my desk is a plaque that says this, A pastor is one who speaks to your spirit, listens to your heart, and understands what words can never say. This is the attitude of healthy leadership in a local church. And may God continue to call out pastors to shepherd His flock as they follow the example of the Good Shepherd. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon to comment on more scripture that we can consider together to help us in our everyday lives. Every blessing. I'm Dr. Otis Corbett.